Welcome to season three of Pilot House. That's I guess I didn't need to say that because we already have we'll have the thing. Yeah, but it, it's season beginning. three of Pilot House. It's true. I didn't make an incorrect. We start over. Welcome to season three. Yay! Our very first season in which we have a theme. Yeah, we, we sort of had a theme with our, our little mini season that we just did. Yeah, we warmed up to the theme situation with our little October spooktacular. But now we are beginning season three, where we are going to do a trip through time. Yes. So every episode will be from a different decade. We'll be starting with the 1960s with this episode, going to the 1970s show, a 1980s show, and so forth until we reach the present so, we thought that was kind of fun. We hope you guys will also enjoy it. Uh, hopefully you also just like the shows that we picked, regardless of the theme. Um, yeah, it, it ended up being a perfect theme, because we were kind of looking at all the things we wanted to watch, and we're like, none of these have anything to do with each other, except having come out, like, along the decades. Yeah, yeah. We we've, we talked for a long time uh, last season about the possibility of eventually doing themed seasons but all of our ideas were like we do a bunch of sci-fi shows or something and we thought any theme like that any actual thematic theme we might get tired of or it might get yeah. like kind of boring for the listeners but this is perfect it gives us a fun theme but we're doing very very different shows each week so well should we get into our first show from the 1960s yeah let's get all 60s up 60s up i forget i regret teased i i regret saying that let's move on (laughs) sarah i'm gonna be the one who says it i gotta i gotta come right out and say this what do we know about i can't even believe i'm saying this out loud what do we know about my mother the car well i'll tell you strangely (laughs) we know basically what we both read on wikipedia earlier today I, I, I can't <laughs> believe this exists. So a little explanation. Um, people frequently hear about our podcast and misunderstand and think that we watch pilots of unaired shows. Pilots that did not get picked up. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is not the premise of our show. But people are always pitching interesting and weird and strange unaired pilots. And once upon a time, somebody said, you should watch this show called My Mother is a Car. Uh, where this guy, um, his mom is like haunting a car and talking to him through a car radio or something. And I was like, oh, well, we don't, that sounds freaking bananas, but also we don't watch unaired pilots. And he's like, oh, okay. Then just the other day, you and I were looking up something on the internet and stumbled back asswards into the Wikipedia entry for the very real TV show, which did air and run for at least a full season called My Mother the Car. Which, like... (laughs) I just don't, I can't. Like, like the fact that it was an unaired pilot that got shot was surprising enough to me with that premise. I'm like, that sounds friggin' insane, but I guess sometimes weird stuff gets gets as far as a pilot being shot, and then everyone realizes, oh, wait, this is insane, and it doesn't get, get picked up for a series. But this show did, in fact, air on the television for more than, a, like... Like I don't, I did not look at how many episodes. Like, but there like, was, there were more, there were more like cumulative hours of this produced than of Turbo Teen. Like, <laughs> there may be as many hours of My Mother the Car as there are of Firefly. I didn't double check, but yeah, it, it was like possible. thirteen episodes. I I don't remember, but like, yeah, this is a thing. So here, okay, 
help me remember what we read on Wikipedia. Yeah. This show was made in the 50s? 60s. 1965, Early I think. 60s? Oh, mid-60s? Yeah. Okay. A man goes to sh- to a car lot, a used car lot, to buy, like, a station wagon. To be, like, a fa- his family car. Family car, because he's yeah. got, like, kids or whatever. And he ends up finding this whimsical, like, car from 1928 or uh-huh. something. It was, like, old... Yeah, and it's like silly, all beat up, like a jalopy, old, old beat up yeah. jalopy. I think it is the sort of car you would refer to as a jalopy, yes. Yeah. And while he is looking at this car, a woman's voice speaks to him through the car radio, and it is his mother. It is unclear whether she is... Now, the Wikipedia article referred to her as being reincarnated at this. Reincarnated. reincarnated. Yes. They used that word. However, I believe they said it. Was, the car was from 1928, and that does not match with him being like... A grown man with young children in the 60s if his mother died in 1928. So presumably it's more of a she is inhabiting this car, but the Wikipedia article did not make it clear why. And in fact, the show may not make it clear why. But he, of course, then buys this car because his mother's spirit is stuck in it. But no one else can hear her voice, only him. No, I think she talks out of the radio. Yeah, yeah. but But they made it clear that nobody else ever hears her voice. Oh, my God. So he's just a crazy person yeah. with a car. Well, I don't know if it's that she speaks and he's the only one who can hear it or she only speaks when he's alone. But, like, he has to justify to his family why he has bought this whimsical car from the 20s instead of a nice, you know, station wagon for so the kids. the show is Jay Leno and Friends is what you're saying. Like, it's just, like, inexplicably owning weird old cars. I, I didn't know that was a thing Jay Leno did. But That's I a thing you. Jay Leno do. But uh, also, apparently, one of the main... Because that is a weird premise, but, like, it doesn't set you up for a lot of, like, day-to-day happenings. Right. Right? Um, Apparently, the main conflict of the show comes from the fact that there is, like, a cartoonish villain character who is a rich old man who collects weird vintage automobiles, and he wants this car because it's very unique. Yeah. And he keeps trying to steal it. Or buy it under, like, suspicious circumstances. The, it, the Wikipedia article used the phrase by hook or by crook. I'll just put that out there. Uh, and he that's the main conflict of the show, I guess. Yeah, it's the, the Wikipedia article what? reads like the back of a VHS box. Like, just kind of like, this is the basic thing. But, like, not the back of a VHS box of a new thing. Like, when, like, an old show from the 60s is re-released on VHS and they tell you the whole plot of the show on the back of the box because you're assumed to have already known it. Yeah. It reads like that, like, in this weird kind of, like, vaguely folksy style that is not typical of Wikipedia. Yeah, it is, uh, well, I mean, when it comes to really niche, weird things like this, there is no typical of Wikipedia. No. Because it is the writing style of the single person who cared enough about the TV show My Mother, The Car, to write a Wikipedia entry for it. Let's be real. That or, like, some guy's like, oh, okay, well, we need a Wikipedia article. The, The long and short of it is we cannot quite believe that this show is real. And we are about to watch it to find out exactly what it looks like. So let's go watch. My mother, the, the car. car. Like what? I... Okay, here we go. <laughs> what the hell did we just watch? I okay. I have questions. I have so many questions. <laughs> and yeah, I mean this this does make Turbo Teen actually seem reasonable. I have to be honest because like Turbo Teen is like a a kid 
merging with a car as like some sort of weird transformer which mm-hmm. is just like in line with all the other weird shit that was happening in the 80s yeah. with toys and everything but and like, it was a cartoon yeah. it was obviously designed to sell toys it all makes sense but this, this is, is a like... live action show and i mean you hear the premise and you go wow that sounds weird and then it's weirder it's even weirder but not in a fun way weird in a what were why did they do this way before we go any further, I just want to quickly address that we are recording this at my studio and the What We Know was on my laptop, which is uh, not here. Yes. So we didn't have a chance to listen to it. We normally re-listen so we can specifically address what we recorded because we usually record those way in advance. But this was like, I, I, all I remember knowing was like the, the basic premise and being like, what the hell is yeah, this going to be? A guy buys a car, a very old rickety car his dead mother can speak through him through the radio and then he has to like sell his wife on the idea of having this old car when she wanted yeah. a, like a normal car for their family and then i we did know i think we looked up the description online and we yeah. knew that there was going to be a character a rich eccentric guy trying to buy the car from yeah. him it's this like was okay so much weirder than any of that yeah led but me not to in a like oh they left out details those are all true statements there's nothing specific that they left out. It's just like the, the delivery. Way, the way it was handled is just bananas. The delivery is so weird. Yeah. Okay. Let's let's start from the beginning. It is only a 23 minute yeah. pilot. So, <laughs> so the show starts with our main character. What the hell is his name? David. David Crabtree. Yes. David Crabtree, uh, who is played by Jerry Van Dyke. Who is, yes, Dick Van Dyke's younger brother. And yes, he is Van Dyking it up the whole time. All, just Van Dyke all he's over the pulling, He's pulling the faces and he's doing the, the same kind of takes to camera and everything. He's just, he is, I, I don't want to necessarily say he was aping his older brother. People who were raised together often have similar uh, mannerisms and uh, comedic sensibilities. Yeah. Anyone who knows me and my brother can attest, but he's definitely not leaning away from his brother's uh, brand. Let's put it that way. Well, but, and I mean, the, the the entire product around him is set up to showcase that kind of brand. Yes, definitely. This show does not uh, shy away from slapstick or really, <sighs> really cheesy uh, jokes. But yeah. I just, I think it, just the structure of the show, even in and of itself, is weird. We start with, he's walking around a used car lot, looking at cars, right? Uh We get no dialogue to set up. Nothing. He's not talking to uh, the the person at the used car lot, saying, yeah, I'm here looking for just a nice station wagon, you know, for me and the wife, and we got two kids, so just something very simple and basic. We don't set that up, so then it's like, and then he sees this crazy, rickety old car. It's He's just there. He's immediately, he immediately sees it. Yeah. There's no amount of setup of him walking around the lot. I also want to point out, if this was a new show, if this premise, for some fucking reason, was done today... There would be a scene where he's at home with his wife. They would set up that they have two kids and he's going to get a nice, safe station, station wagon, wagon, minivan, whatever, for the for him and the fam. And they would address the fact that his he misses his mother and she passed away. We, we get nothing. There's just a guy in a car lot 
all of the other cars look like they're from about when when the early mid-60s. Yeah, early mid-60s. Yeah, they all look like, you know, within 10 years, yeah. the kind of stuff you'd normally see in a used car lot. And then all of a sudden, there is this 1920s car with like the, you know, with like a, you know, the canvas top and the open sides yeah. and the like freestanding windscreen. A 1928 Porter. Yeah. But like, I'm trying to convey, that yeah. doesn't mean anything to the average person. I'm trying no. to like, but like this is, this looks like, a, a, um, okay, if, um, if you were reading an old Archie comic and someone was described as driving an old jalopy, this is kind of what it would look like, yeah. right? Okay, but it's like they went out of their way to make it look really bad. The fabric is torn. The canvas top is torn. This, it's super dusty. It's a great shit's of falling wrath off. Car. Like, yeah, it's 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 bad. Yeah, and it's got a cute little sign in the window that says "Fix or Upper," like "Fix a da- Dash R." Yeah, and he just sees it and goes, <laughs> "Fix or Upper," like. He doesn't even comment like well, fixer ever. Nobody in their right mind would want to fix up this car. We get nothing to set this up. Yeah. He's just looking at the car and for we we know nothing about this guy. Nope. We know nothing about why he's in this used car lot. He's just looking at this ridiculously broken down old car and for some reason he decides to get in it and sit in the front seat and like kind of go, "Ha ha ha, what a fun car." And then all of a sudden Someone says, hello, David. And he goes, hello, mother. And they go, <laughs> with a little doing sting of sound. Like, and he's, he kind of goes, <laughs> kind of just makes, he doesn't go, oh, I must be hearing things or whatever. He just kind of makes that sort of face. And then she says, you know, no, it's really me, David. You're not hearing things. This is your mother. It's like, we're immediately launched into this absolutely absurd situation. We've got no setup. None. Within seconds of the show starting, this guy is in the car and talking to his mother on the radio. It's like, I, I what? They, it's like they, it's like they thought, okay, the premise of this show is pretty simple. Guys did mother talk to him through a car radio. We can get into it pretty quickly. People won't need that much setup. They'll understand that. What? what? No, they no. will not. <laughs> well, and what, what is so bizarre about like, I could see this being a pilot that got made. What what I am so, like, spoilers, I actually want to watch more of this because I'm like, how do you sustain this? Uh, because, like, it, it transpires through the episode that it's not just that her disembodied voice is coming out of the radio. She feels and experiences the world as the car. Oh, yeah. No, in, in every description of the show I ever saw, it was like, his mother speaks through the car radio. I'm like, so then my mother... The car is a bit of a misnomer. No, she can control the car. She can drive it. She can absolutely control it. She feels everything that the car feels. She can see everything that's around the car. You don't have to like, it doesn't have to be in front of her headlights or anything, right? Like she just can see anything that's around the car. She can see and experience everything. Anyway, but she just, there's this scene where he's like, what? Well, well, you do sound like my mother, but that's crazy. My mother died in, and she goes, hey, August 23rd, 1940, whatever. Like, she yeah, she knows the date. She says the date that she died, and she mentions that he broke his collarbone one time. It's like, he, yeah, he, she says, like, now I know you're about to go through the roof when you hear this, but this really is your mother. I'm in this car. Like, she's already said, I, no, it's me, David. I'm your mother. <laughs> Multiple times. She's already said this, and then he's. She's like, "Now I know you're gonna go through the roof when you hear this, but I really am your mother, and I'm in this car." 
And then there's a com- comedic take from the top of the car that shows him Burst bursting through the, through the fabric roof. Yeah. Despite the fact that it was already torn and made of fabric, he now has a cut on his forehead. But this is important to the plot because his wife needs to think that he's hurt his head. Yeah. But... He then, she's like, oh, be careful, dear. You'll break your collarbone again. Like, she just throws that out there. And then he goes like, oh, she knows that I... He doesn't go, oh, this has got to be some practical joke. Who's Someone is out there with a, with a two-way radio. Is it, what's yeah. going on? He never even tries to justify the situation. He just goes, well, if you know the year my mom, you know, the date my mother died, and you sound like my mother, I guess you're my mother in this car, my dead mother embodied in this car i guess i will just accept that two pieces of information and and i okay this guy would be so easy to con how quickly he just decides to roll with it i mean i guess like yeah the audience also is just expected to just roll with it and this is but why well i think part of it is that this is typical of the type of of pilot that they would have back then where it's it's not about setting up like a long-running story sure it's just like Here's, I mean, because, like, the entire uh, premise of the show is explained in the opening theme song, not, which we're about to get not to. Not that well, though. Not as well as, like, even Gilligan's Island or the Brady Bunch or something. And those are relatively simple premises that everyone can understand. The Brady Bunch is about two families who blend together and then they live together as, yeah. a, as a mixed family. But the, and Gilligan's that, Island, a bunch of people get shipwrecked. Like, it's a fairly simple premise. You can explain it in a 30-second minute-long jingle. But what I'm getting at is that regardless, uh, this is not a simple premise. Yeah. But the people who made it are treating it as though it is. That's exactly what I'm saying. That's insane. I thought you were saying, like, that's not that weird. They did that a lot back then. No, I'm just saying, like, the show is like... She's come back as a car. Let's roll with it. Yeah. The theme song is like, she's come back as a car. Just roll with it. Yeah. And they have purposefully written the lead actor to just roll with it. Yeah. It's just, it's it's, fucking bizarre. Yeah. I just, I want to make sure people understand how bizarre it is, especially since even if you've seen old TV shows, you are, unless you're, uh, I don't know, particularly weirdo, you probably watch more modern TV than you do 60s TV. This is on YouTube. Too. Yeah. It's, you can watch it for free on YouTube yeah. right now. Yeah. If you, it, honestly, Holy if you want to go watch it for yourself so you know what the hell we were talking about, it's only 23 minutes and it's on YouTube. So go for it. But it, I just, I want people to understand how truly bizarre this is, especially from a modern standpoint that they just go, this is a way weirder premise than any other show on the air right now. As far as I know, it almost makes me wonder if there wasn't another show not with the same premise, but with something that somehow was related and they, they were like trying to rip it off with this show. It's like his grandfather, somebody's grandfather comes back as like a, a talking dog. Yeah. Or like, or like a dog like, that can talk to ghosts. Like, or yeah. Or like somebody's grandfather can speak to them through a painting of the grandfather and gives them advice or something like that. Like something a little less weird. And they were like, well, people bought that. They'll buy a mom and a car radio, you know, like, yeah. Or maybe it was just that they were like, this is how we do TV these days. We set up the premise and then you roll with it. T- deal with it. I want to know who had photos of who and what they were doing. <laughs> so anyway, he... He decides it, to it buy the like car. It takes like two seconds for her to go... You're, he's like, well, yeah, this is... He doesn't even say, oh, I can't buy this car. I mean, look at it. It's falling apart. I told my wife I was coming here to buy a station wagon today. He never says that. No. So many opportunities for him to do that. 
he just goes, huh, what is this? My mom in a car, crazy. And then she goes, David, you're not going to leave your mother in this used car lot. <laughs> well, he never said he was. God, lady, we jumped to conclusions. I know, it's like some, some major, like, emotional blackmail, like, like, right out of the gate from Pretty the much car. every sentence in this show, someone has jumped to a conclusion right before saying it. Yeah. Pretty much, that's all the dialogue. Someone has jumped to a conclusion. So... He then the next shot is him driving the car down the street, which is improbable that it runs, but okay. Yeah. It, it runs and he can drive it. I feel like a 1928 car might be a little hard to get used to. Anyway, so then we learn through this process she's talking to him. Oh, also, it's important to know that there's a little light on the car radio that lights up that when she speaks. lights up. It flashes on and off when she speaks as like a visual cue that she's talking that we need for some reason. And I immediately went, did cars in 1928 even have radios? When did car radios become standard? And I looked it up and apparently it, as far as I could tell from like, you know, two minutes of Googling, it's just, just reasonable to say, just barely reasonable to assume that a 1928 car would have a car radio. It wasn't standard yet in 1928, but they did exist. So it just doesn't look, I don't know if I'm not an expert in radios or cars or the 20s. Here's something... But it doesn't look like a what I would expect a radio in a car in the 20s to look no. like. It looked kind of 60s. Yeah. Here's something that I am confused about. Here's a thought. His mother died in 1949. Mm-hmm. The car is in 1928. I'm confused. Like... No, she addresses it. Well, finish your sentence. Maybe I'm mis- misunderstanding what you're going to... Be confused about. There's so much to be confused <laughs> yeah. about. I might be misreading. Please continue. Well, it's, it's like she, she, she. I, I think maybe you can explain the line because it's part of this initial conversation. Yeah. At the car lot. Mm-hmm. But like, she comes back as a car that was made after she was born that is younger than her. I would assume, either she died at 21 or the car is younger <laughs> than she is. Well, it's when. When does the show set? Is it 65? 65. And he's, I can't read the ages of people in the 60s because by 30, you had two kids and like a, a mortgage. Yeah, so at like most he's 30. Yeah. He's playing 30. Well, I don't know I, how old well, he I is. He could be a little older than that, but he, no more than 35 for sure. Yeah. 35 is the absolute So oldest. 65. So if he was born in 1930... Like, the maths don't work out. Yeah, no. So, so this car was made s- after... No, but she explains it. He says, why in the world would you come back in a 1928 Porter? Adorable that he knows exactly the year that the car was made, but yeah. it's not written anywhere on the sign no. or anything. The sign doesn't say, a genuine 1928 Porter. And nothing about him implies that he is, like, any kind of car enthusiast. No, it, it, it's... He, it's explicitly stated that he does not have any particular interest in old cars. So it's weird for him to buy this. Yeah. So but he just goes, why would you come back in a 1928 Porter? And she goes, well, dear, we don't get to choose what we come back as. I know someone who came back as an Edsel. <laughs> Hilarious. An Edsel is a, is a failed car. All I know about it is it was weird looking and it didn't take on. Yep. But it's still well known as being a failed car. Yep. So... Here's the weird thing. That, that was implies... one of the few gags in this show that got a genuine laugh from me. 
I thought it was weird because he does say like, well, why, does this happen a lot? People coming back? And she goes, no, most people don't want to come back. In fact, the application bin's usually empty. <laughs> I love that. I did that. I enjoyed yeah. the implication of bureaucracy in heaven or in the afterlife. I always enjoy that. I'm not going to lie. It's one of the reasons I love the good Fully, place. Yeah. I was just going to say, if only someone made a whole show about that. Yeah. Well, there's another one. Did you, I have, we haven't seen it. Uh, we haven't talked about it. I haven't we, seen with it. With uh, 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 Daniel Radcliffe? Yes. It's it's like it seems to be it's called like heaven ink yeah and steve, steve buscemi. buscemi plays god or something yeah i saw that and went oh yeah somebody went watched the good place and went oh people are into this i got an idea for a what if heaven was a bureaucracy show it looks good i'm not saying it's a ripoff of good yeah. place but anyway moving on i do i did enjoy that joke but the fact that she says i know someone who came back as an edsel implies that coming back as a car is fairly common she doesn't say, I knew someone who came back as a mosquito or yeah. someone who came back as an apple. I don't know, like a like a tin can. No, she says another car. It implies that coming back as a car is actually fairly common, which seems random, but okay. Maybe they just weren't thinking that hard about the joke. Yeah, I... This show does not have world building. World building is not a thing that exists in this show. It has jokes from which you could in- interpolate... Yeah. extrapolate jokes about ah oh, so there's a you know bureaucracy in heaven there's a, a application bin but anyway she says i came back because i need i I'm, i came back to help you and you need help she doesn't say why we've gotten no setup to explain that he's in a difficult place in his life nothing about the rest of the episode implies that he is in any kind of dif- difficulty no but she says well i'm just coming back to help you because you need help and he's like okay he just takes it so then he's driving away. We see that she can control the car because he tries to turn right and then suddenly goes left. And she's like, he's like, Mother, I wanted to go right. And she goes, no, we need to rehearse your story. You need to explain to your wife, Barbara, why you've brought this car home. So she at least understands that this is weird. And it's also like, he's like shifting poorly. And she's like, ow, that hurt. Ooh, and he goes, oh, sorry, Mother, did it hurt? And she goes, only when I accelerate. That's something a car does pretty frequently, accelerate. If it, if it hurts every time you accelerate, that's, that's not an only. Although maybe she's doing the mother guilt thing. Like, oh no, I'm fine. It yeah. only hurts when I breathe. You know. God. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not get into the, the mother guilt, because it's in the show. It's there. Uh, the... It basically says, I'll tell you what to do. Tell your wife that the motor in this car is worth twice as much as you paid for it. That's a perfect explanation for why you'd buy it. I'm like... Yeah, but not for why you'd keep it. Yeah. <laughs> That's a perfect explanation for why you'd buy it, but then you'd sell it as soon as you yeah. possibly could. And so then they. Anyway, so then they cut to the opening credits. And friends, these are some opening credits. We already established that the song is a, and here's what's going on in the show type song. So sit right back and you hear a tale of a mother who's a car. Yeah. You know, but. Not only that, we have title cards on the screen, which look like silent movie uh, uh, um, text cards. Yeah. What I can't remember. Title cards, is that the right term for that? When, when they put like, I say, where yeah. are you going? Or whatever in a, in a silent film. And it has the lyrics to the song. Yeah. So like they're... Which are not good. They barely rhyme. Yeah. It's... You'd, you'd think they might like lean into a bunch of like car, like just roll with it. Would have been perfect. Roll, car, wheels, right? No. They go, um, it's like everybody knows. Everybody comes back as something. We do? I didn't think in the 60s that uh, 
you know, uh, reincarnation was that common. And they so then they go like, they mention two animals, not not inanimate objects like cars. They say from a sweet old pussycat to a mean old alligator, whatever. And then they go, well, my mother decided to come back as a car. She's my guiding star. We've already gone away from car metaphors. Now we're stars. Like what? You didn't even try for one car metaphor. I desperately want to meet and talk to somebody who was a fan of this show at the time. Yeah, someone who liked it. I Honestly, I would love to talk to anyone who was even remotely involved in the making of the show. To be like, how much were y'all aware of how bananas this was? Did y'all know and just think like, I don't know, it was a silly premise. We thought we'd see if we could get away with it. Or were they like, no, we thought this was a really interesting idea. Like, Is it, Yeah, it's like, did, did Herbie the Love... Uh, oh. The, when did the love, Herbie come out? Herbie, Herbie the Love Bug. The love bug. I don't know. Because that, that car could talk, right? I've never actually seen it. I don't know if that car could talk, but like the idea of like a car helping people, something. If it didn't talk, it had a personality or something. It yeah. had like a mind of its own, maybe. Yeah. So maybe that I'm. I just, why the fuck was this made? <laughs> yeah, it's a very good question. It's a very good question. But anyway, uh, where were we? <laughs> Opening credits. Opening credits. Right. the 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 song is insane. It barely rhymes. Um, if, if for nothing else, please go find the video on YouTube and just scroll forward in the video until you get to the theme song. Watch that. It's also, amazing. I love that it says starring Jerry Van Dyke and Maggie whatever is presumably the wife. And it says, and introducing Miss Anne Southern as my mother, the car. Like they, I was like, did they really want to, why didn't my miss? Neither of the other actors got a, a, an honorific in yeah. front of their name. Why Miss Anne Southern? Was it part of her contract that she'd be credited that way? Did Maybe she's actually quite young and she wanted people to know. I'm not actually an old lady, yeah. even though I'm voicing an old lady. I'm just, I just do a good old lady voice. She's not even doing like an old lady voice, really. No, she's doing like a, she's doing a very typical radio voice for the time. Yeah. She doesn't sound especially old. No. Anyway, it... So many little weird things. I don't want to get bogged down too much. But anyway, we move on to him arriving at home, mm-hmm. I think. Yep. And his wife and his two adorable children, who are named Randy and Cindy. And I remember thinking, oh, what perfect kid names for a sitcom. They picked those perfectly. And then in the credits at the end, those are just the actual kids' names. They just gave them the names of the actual actors. They just happened to be... Randy and Cindy were just that common in the 60s. I just thought, oh, what perfect kid names, yeah. you know? They, uh, his family is not impressed. Yeah, they're immediately like, what, why, what is going on? Then his wife establishes, you were supposed to buy a station wagon. What is this hunk of junk? You know, what is going on? And he immediately just says, well, I, I, you know, I just had to. And she's like, I know what you're about to say. The poor thing looked so sad and so lonely. It practically begged you to take it with you. And he goes, why, yes, that is it, dear. That's exactly what happened. And I'm thinking, oh, yeah, he's just going to lean into this option she's already given. I'm just so soft hearted. Because he says to his mother in the, in the, when they're driving earlier, he says, I can't lie to my wife. And I'm like, this is a perfect opportunity for him to not tell her the truth, but also not explicitly lie. Yeah. He's like, yeah, I know. she. Did. It really did feel like the car was talking to me, dear Barbara, winked to the camera. Instead, he immediately goes into, as a matter of fact, well. And he looks right into the camera. This car is my mother or something. And they're yeah. like. But like. And it, it goes, wife, take to camera. Kids, take to camera. Dog, dog take, take to, to camera. camera. 
And that's that's cute, right? But then they do that exact wife takes a camera, kids, dog, four times in this episode. Like, no, possibly in, in that this scene. scene. Yeah. Four times in that scene alone, he says something absurd and they all, uh, uh, what? Like, guys, that, that joke wasn't that good to start with. It didn't get better <laughs> as it went on. But he just leans into it. Yeah. And he doesn't go, no, I'll, I I know it sounds crazy, but let me let me show you. Here, here, uh, mother, come on, come on, talk to him, mother. He doesn't even try, he do, tries that later, but he doesn't do it in the moment. You think he would immediately be like, I know it sounds crazy. I didn't yeah. believe it either. And then she says, uh, honey, what happened to your head? And he's like, oh, I, I cut it. What does that have to do with anything? No, he should have said, yeah, I know when mom started talking to me, I, I was so surprised I jumped through the roof of the car. <laughs> Instead, he goes, well, I cut it. What is that? He goes, why did that? What does that do? They immediately defensive. And she goes, uh, dear, did the car start talking to you before or after you hit your head? And he goes, well, after. Which isn't true. No. We, it was the previous scene. It happened a minute and a half ago. So he, uh, he uh, spends uh, a few minutes, like, trying to convince them, and they're just, they're not having it. Yeah. And then he finally is like, well, let's go for a drive in the car. Yeah. And the kids are like, uh, we have to do homework. And it's not played, it's not played particularly like a joke. They just say that and then walk away. And then his wife starts crying. And it's only then that he goes, I'm, I'm sorry, honey. I'm, I'm sorry. I, and then he looks like, oh, I don't want to do this, but I, I, I should tell you that. The motor is worth twice what I paid for the car. He hates this. He hates this this really this web mild of lies. lie that he's telling her. Yeah. He it took until she's weeping openly for him to do that, and she turns around and goes, "That's why you bought the car, N- not because it talked to you. No, it, uh, no, no, honey, it did. It didn't talk to me. So that was just one of your strange jokes. Yes, it was a very bad joke. I'm sorry, honey. Like." He, he immediately, like, he's, he's so sold on, like, why, why don't you people believe me? This isn't that unbelievable. He never goes, I know, I didn't believe it either, but she, he does say eventually, to, he says, well, she knew things that only my mother would know. I asked her a couple of things, and she knew them, so therefore, he never introduces again, like, I know, I thought it must be a prank or something, but, like, you know, she can control the car when I was driving. He doesn't mention that. He just goes, it's my mother. I asked her two questions and she knew the answers. Therefore, my mother. Why, why, why is it taking you idiots so long to, to catch up with me to this premise? Come on. Anyway, so then he goes, yeah, no, honey. It was a it was a, a stupid joke and I'm sorry. And she's like, okay, well, good. And he goes, well, I'm glad everything's back to normal now. <laughs> it's a, a big assumption. She goes, not exactly. Because now we're not speaking and just walks away from him. We're like, yeah. Okay. You don't, you don't pull a weird joke. Wait till your wife is crying before you go uh, sorry that was a bad joke so it's like that's not gonna that's not gonna save the situation anyway so she goes inside she goes inside and immediately <sighs> rolls up the best character in the show i think we can By all far. agree captain manzini who is a rich man with a very large mustache and a, and a cane that's how you can tell he's rich and eccentric he rolls up in a similarly old-fashioned but much better taken care of car with a driver in a, in a, in a fancy black cap and a whole little gloves and the whole, whole nine yards. And he leaps out and is like, oh, there it is. It's, it's really true. A 1928 Porter. Oh, I've had a for so long. Basically, he establishes he's a rare car collector. 
He has particularly been looking for a 1928 Porter for a long time. He just got a tip that there was one for sale in town and David beat him to it. And so he comes and says like, all right, I'll, it, you know, I'll pay you double I'll pay you what you, double what paid, you paid for, for it. it, which we learned was $200 because he says 400. Now that's double what you paid for it. Yeah. So which is not an unreasonable yeah. offer. I don't know what the, the inflation rate is, but at least to my modern mind, that sounds like, yeah, this sounds believable. And but he, he's, he's like, well, no, I'm, I'm sorry. I can't, I can't sell it. And he's like, well, you drive a hard bargain. And we are introduced to the most tired and most repeated joke in this very short 23-minute pilot, which is that Captain Manzini always gets his name wrong. His he last can. name is Crabtree, and he says everything from, like, Criswell to, like, Cranberry. Like, every single time he says his name, and every single time he says the wrong thing, David goes, it's Crabtree, and Manzini goes, whatever. Yeah. Which I just want to point out, I've heard a lot of people over the years make a joke as if responding whatever in a dismissive way was invented in the 90s. In the like, kind of like, mm, whatever, you know. To but that like, I say, whatever. Yeah, no, this is, I'm like, that was, no, it became more popular then. It wasn't invented in the 90s. The joke was born old and it only gets more and more decrepit as the show gets on. It's, Yeah. So he, they have this back and forth, and Menzini ups his offer to, like, $700. Yeah, and Crabtree is like, no, I, I, sorry, I won't sell. I can't remember how he actually gets him to leave at that point, but... So then the, the car horn starts honking. Oh, yeah, that's right. She and... goes, she says, like, David, stop him, or something like that. And then the car horn starts going off, and... Manzini's like, oh, that's a simple problem. You simply need to, some words that sound like maybe something you do to a car. Disconnect the something, something. And so he pops open the hood and reaches in and immediately gets electrocuted. Yeah. Like, it's like slapstick ah! electrocution. Yeah. He's holding a wire that's sparking and going everywhere and his hair's gone all wild. After the electrocution and uh, D- David pulls him out and he goes, zounds. Oh God, that's right. It's so good. God's wounds. That was surprising. Yeah. Oh, so then he... Oh, yeah, I want to clarify for the audience that the character's name is Captain Manzini, but he doesn't have, like, a Italian accent or even, like, a vaguely foreign accent in a 60s TV way. He sounds just sort of, like... East Coast rich guy, but yeah, nothing specific. Upper, he sounds very fancy and upper class, but not specifically English, really, and definitely not, like, vaguely sort of foreign or European yeah. or something. He's just called Captain Manzini. Which, just because... Which... Is one of, like, having read that there was a character called Captain Manzini who was an eccentric rich guy, I was like, brace yourself, uncomfortable stereotype inbound. No. We didn't get any of that. No, and almost, even though I'm, I guess, yay, no uncomfortable stereotype, but I was at least hoping for, like, a a ridiculous, like, Italian count type character or something like that. Yeah, but we don't get any of that. There's nothing. He's just kind of a He's just sort of vague. He, yeah. he sort of vaguely looks like if this had been made in the 80s, he might have been played by Dom DeLuise. Yeah. It's yeah. that kind of character. Yeah. So then he leaves. Mm-hmm. That night, uh, David tries to yes. get his wife to eavesdrop on him talking to the car. Yes. It's like he's... The last scene we saw him in with his wife, he said, it's it was a joke, I'm sorry. Yeah. Then they're getting ready for bed that night in their bedroom where... He's just wearing the, like, most crisp, 
perfectly pressed dressing gown over his crisp, perfectly pressed uh, pajamas. And they have their twin, separate twin beds, of yep, course, in yep. their bedroom. They both look like, I mean, it's it's just so funny, especially on TV. I understand that people also used to dress a little more like formally or officially in general in the mm-hmm. in the past. People wore pajamas to bed. Now people are more likely to wear, you know, sweatpants and a t-shirt or whatever. But like, especially on TV, people always looked like their hair was perfect and their like dressing gown was just like smoothed down and tucked in and tied at just the right angle. People never look rumpled. Nope. They just like, they look like they're about to go out on the town except that they're wearing a dressing gown and pajamas. Anyway, in this scene, he has now gone back to trying to convince his wife that his mother is the car. She doesn't say, I don't want any more of this joke. That's really, it's really bad taste. I think you could tell how upset I was earlier. I don't know why you're trying to do this joke again. She just goes, dear, don't be ridiculous, Cars, don't talk. She's just back to being sort of like vaguely, what are you talking about, you weirdo? And then he's like, come out to the garage with me. Yeah. And I will prove it to you. Yeah. And he like hides her around the corner and then goes, hello, mother, just uh, came to say goodnight. It's kind of a, kind of a warm night. Uh, Do you want a glass of cold water? Some iced tea in your radiator? Yeah. Come uh, well, on, mother. It's, uh, uh, what's going on? Are you, are, are you, you know, come on, mom. Uh, what's going on? Are you okay? Uh, something wrong? You know, and she's not saying anything. And then the wife is like, oh, ridiculous, and walks back into the house or something. And then the car says, now, David, you mustn't try to trick me. And he's like, well, what? How did you know she was there? I could see her in my rearview mirror. Like, okay. Sure. Uh, second question. Why won't you talk to my wife? Why won't you convince her? Yeah. Why are you... What's this would be hell? a very simple way to help, to at least take the steps to solve this problem. Now, maybe you talking to my wife, my wife would get hysterical or something and think we were both crazy. But, like, it's, a, it's worth trying to see yeah. if you could convince her as easily as you convinced me. But we never find out. In that moment when she goes, now you mustn't try to trick me. I saw her in my review mirror. And he goes, well, mother. And she goes, now I won't be, you know, made a spectacle of. Now you remember back when we were at that museum and he, and then it's like, it's, it's acted as if she's just going on a t- tirade or whatever, goes rambling like a mother will. And he goes to the camera, boy, she sure does talk or something like that. Yeah. It's like, no, we're not done. We're not done here. There are questions. Why won't you? Tell my wife, can she just actually not hear you even if you talk? Is that what... It's like, oh, I wish I could convince her, David, but these are the rules of heaven or whatever. If I come back, I only get pick pick one person who can hear me, and that's no, you. No, this is like some Tyler we, Durden Fight Club shit. We never get anything. She never attempts to explain it, and he never asks. I, They're just screaming through this premise. It's... it's. I... So... The- so then it cuts to the next morning. Yeah. And, and he, like, walks out of the house and we get this very Andy Griffith show type montage of him getting the car fixed up. He's like, boy, it's time for you to get a full a full spa day. Mother, he doesn't say spa day, but, like, a yeah. shampoo, which I don't think you'd say that about a car. New paint job. Get you washed and stand all tuned up. And she goes, oh, I'm so excited, David. Oh, that's so, that's so delightful. And then it's, yeah, the most ridiculous comical montage where we are intercut between two things happening. Him taking the car to a variety of different places where he, the first thing he does is go to a car wash, but he goes to like the kind of that you drive through, which you wouldn't do with an open air fabric topped car that's in such poor condition. Yeah. 
you would need to you take it to a specialist who would both clean, fix up, and paint it, presumably. Right. But no, Which, he just it goes through this ridiculous car wash, and also all of the car wash employees are black, and they're all looking like. Why well, I never seen that before. It's just it's they, they never get to say anything. Of course, of course they get no dialogue. But it's just three black guys in white uniforms at the car wash, just looking at him like, "What is this fucking white guy up to? Like with this crazy car?" Or 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 just, "Why would you take a car like that through a drive drive through car wash yeah. like this? What are you? That's not. This is not the establishment for this car, sir. What are you doing?" Uh, and while he's going to the car wash and the auto painting place and the mechanic. Uh, Captain Manzini is pursuing him, <laughs> holding up signs that are increasing his offer, and yeah. have like the word "please" on the back. Yeah, yeah, it'll hold the sign. It says seven hundred. It's like beautifully done in like like very nice uh, printing. Someone yeah. just painted these signs, very old fashioned, but with like two question marks after the price, and then a giant one says "please." And I love when he holds up the one that says "please." He then peers out behind the sign and then wiggles his mustache just just cause comedy. No particular reason. He just like peers out and like dinky dinky dink. He almost does like a yeah. like a bewitched kind of yeah. nose wiggle, but his mustache goes with it. Uh, it. I did enjoy that a little bit just cause it was it was at least a kind of a classic comedy beat. Yeah. Which this show, I I made a note during the scene where he reaches into the car and like pulls out the live wire or whatever and is going crazy, and I was like. Boy, this show doesn't understand cars or comedy. No. <laughs> Neither it's, one. It's so bizarre because, like, tonally, I can see what they were going for. This, like, kind of, like, old throwback, like, vaudeville slapstick kind of thing. Like, like in a similar way to, like, the Muppets were trying to revive this, like, vaudeville sensibility. Mm-hmm. But it's like they don't really seem to understand what made the previous thing fun. Right. Yeah. Like when I say I can see what they're going for, it's like I can I can see how certain exchanges that happen in the show or certain like physical things that happen should be comedic. Yes. Absolutely. It's just that they're hitting almost every single one wrong. Yeah. They're they're just missing the mark on almost every single attempt at a joke or a comedic beat or something. Almost every single one is just like, well, wow, that was, that was not funny. That didn't, it just didn't hit. Not just, I don't find that funny. It just didn't land. Yeah. From a comedy standpoint. Anyway. The laughs I got from this were almost never with the show. Yes, exactly. It was at the show. I think the, the wiggling mustache, I was like, okay, they got there. It still wasn't like an amazing joke, right? It wasn't an amazing comedic take, but it was like, it actually landed. Yeah. Which most of them did not. So, like, I think that's why some of those jokes stood out. And also, the line about the, the application bin, that's me. I just like implications of, of uh, yeah. the afterlife having ridiculous bureaucracy. It's a, it's a personal thing that I find delightful. But yeah, those are the, I think those are the only two things I laughed at in the episode. Yeah. So then, oh yeah, there's also this weird extended bit where he takes the car. And all of this is done without dialogue. Yeah. This whole montage. They're playing an uh, uh, instrumental, oh, like instrumental version. version? Of the theme song. Oh, okay. So they're playing the music. There's a whole section where they go to like Doctor Joe's auto mechanic specialists, you know, auto doctor or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. And then there's a bizarre parody of surgery. Yeah. When I, I it I almost think it was supposed to be a parody of like. 
pregnant, like birth. Uh, like birth? Yeah, where the husband has to wait in the hall with yeah, the Yeah, because cigars. like Captain Manzini is like watching. It's unclear where from. It looks like he's lying on top of something. Yeah. It's totally unclear where he is. And he's sort of watching with interest as the main mechanic is like digging in and his he's wearing a white doctor's coat and the two guys on other, either side of him are wearing like more scrubby, yeah. I think. I might like be actually... Mechanics outfits. They're mechanics outfits. Yeah. That was kind of a funny visual. Yeah. And they're leaning over and like wiping the sweat from his forehead while he's like digging into the car's motor and everything. And then he pulls out a piece. And as he pulls out a piece... We cut to Captain Manzini, who's like beaming like a proud father. And I'm like, was that? The way I'm describing it makes it sound better than it was. It just wasn't, the timing and the setup, like, wasn't, it wasn't enough to, you're, you're, you don't watch it and go, oh, they're doing a, it's like birth, that's funny. You're watching it going, I think they're trying to do a thing where this is like a birth, but, oh, I guess? You're never and with them in the joke. It is, precisely reminds me of, one of those things where, like, you're watching, like, the Shrek movies and they recreate a fight scene from The Matrix. Mm-hmm. And if you haven't seen The Matrix, you're like, what is even... Like, this is... This feels oddly specific and tonally dissonant from the rest of this thing I'm watching. Yeah. And, and also, I'm, if you haven't seen the specific thing they're referencing, you'll be completely lost. Yeah. There's nothing here for you. And I kind of, like... Like, the... A couple of the things that happened in the montage almost... I'm, I, I found myself wondering... Is this, they're like shot for shot referencing some big film that came out like the year before or another show or something (laughs) where it's like, they're like, oh, everybody will get this because it's just like the first episode of the Brady Bunch or something, you know, where it's just like they. That's a good point. That that is a very common thing that you, yeah, you watch it later and you go, what is this joke? It's weird. Okay. Because it was specific. And sometimes people take the joke on its own face and it becomes a thing. Like I. I don't know if this is actually apocryphal, but what I've always heard is that uh, the reason that Bugs Bunny chews on a carrot and says, what's up, Doc, is it was a reference to the um, Clark Gable film. It, um, oh, I'm not going to say the title because I'm not totally confident in it. It was like a Clark Gable film that was super popular at the time uh-huh. in which there's a scene where he is addressing an actual doctor uh-huh. and for some reason he's eating a carrot and he says, hey, what's up, Doc? It was specifically a reference to that scene. Yeah. And now it's just become a thing that, like, Bugs Bunny chews on a carrot like it's a cigar and says, what's up, Doc? Yeah. And it, it, it was a reference to a movie, and now it's become its own thing. Yeah. That's the best case scenario. And I, <laughs> It usually doesn't like, work that way. The, there were things in this that were so oddly specific that I'm like, are they drawing from some cultural context that I'm completely missing? Yeah. Yeah. Because I'm watching this in a void more than 50 years later. Yeah. Uh, then we get the big reveal of the car having been restored. Yes, the car is completely restored. This would have cost, I mean... Thousands. I, yeah, thousands, tens of thousands today, I would think. Yeah. It's completely fixed up. The, the The fabric roof is completely replaced. Beautiful, shiny new paint job. All White of, wall tires. Yeah, all the dents and dings are, are, are fixed up. The upholstery inside is perfect. It's, it's, it's a big transformation, but at the same time, it's like, you started this whole process by uh, spraying hot, soapy water all over this entire car, including the fabric and everything, and 
that that doesn't sound like the, the the first step to making it look pristine and beautiful the way yeah. it is now but okay sure this show is weird enough i guess this is the lesser weirdness that we're dealing with right now as he's driving away he's going boy boy mom you look beautiful oh i feel beautiful david then he gets the car home oh and it, during the big reveal is when we get the theme song yes. again and there's just like like car shots and like him waving at people in the neighborhood oh, that's as he's right. driving and everything. That's the crazy thing is that they do this whole thing where not only is the car beautiful, he's now wearing like a really nice suit that yeah. he wasn't wearing before. He's wearing casual clothes before. He's now wearing a very nice suit. He's driving this thing around. Now it looks beautiful. Now it's yeah. not... Before when he was driving, it looked absolutely absurd. It looked like it was falling apart. Now it looks like a beautifully restored classic car yeah was this not a thing in the 60s because now if you see a guy in a nice suit driving one of those cars down the street you go that's eh, one of those classic car guys cool uh-huh. he's done a really good job of restoring it and all these people in his neighborhood are staring at him like he is an alien from another planet yeah which... even though now the car looks nice they're not staring at it like wow look at that car they're looking at him like good which again this is one of those things where, with, the, with the premise where i'm just like we've already established in this universe that someone driving around in a restored classic car is a thing that at least one other person is doing. In this town. Yeah. He doesn't say he drove from another city or anything. In this town, which is totally Los Angeles. Well, sure. But, but like, God, this show hurts. Okay, anyway. I'm going to have nightmares about this. He gets the car home. And I'm realizing now we skipped a line which was actually kind of funny. When his wife walks away from him saying, we're not speaking anymore mm-hmm. in the first scene. Wait, wait, the first scene with her finding out about the car. She turns around as she's about to go in the house and says, you better not leave that car in the driveway. Today is trash day. Slams the door. And I'm like, that's a pretty solid, that's a solid burn. I'm going to hand yeah. it to Barbara. She got a good one in. For this show, that's incredibly clever. So he pulls into the driveway at home with the restored car. And his kids are like, wow, daddy, what happened to the old car? It's so transformed. And Barbara goes, wow, it looks great, David. I don't mind it at all now. And he goes, really? And she goes, yeah, now it'll sell really quickly. And she puts a giant for sale sign on the back, which, of course, there's like a trunk attached to the back, which somehow survived being completely waterlogged by the car wash. But anyway, never mind. She's not mad about him putting even more money into this car. Yeah. Which... She doesn't go, David, how much did this cost? She just goes, oh, well, now it looks great. We'll be able to sell it really easily, which I guess true. Yeah. Easier to sell it when it's all nice. But then the, the Captain Manzini rolls up uh, and immediately in... yells, sold. Yeah. And starts uh, and says, I'll give you $1,000. And Barbara's like, $1,000? Which, I mean, maybe that was quite a lot for a car in the 60s. I okay. guess when, it, when if he bought it for $200, 1000 that's pretty fucking good. Yeah. But she's like, oh, okay, sure. And he's like, no, we can't. Uh, um, uh, David's like, we can't. We, we can't. Uh, just give me a minute. And he kind of. He says, Barbara, I, just, just, you need to give me, just give me a little bit of time I'll, I'll, to explain to you why we can't sell this car. Just give me a minute. And she goes, okay, dear, I'll give you a little bit of time. Just as long as it takes me to go inside and find that certificate of ownership. And she stalks off to the, to inside the house. And he then goes to the car. Oh yeah. And yeah. he's like, come on, mother. You said you were here to help me. Now would be a good time. Which excellent point. 
Yeah. She has she has created the situation and she has done nothing to alleviate it. Alleviate it. She has only made it worse. <laughs> so then she's like, no, "Listen, David, this situation isn't as bad as it seems, isn't it?" <laughs> and then she says, "Now just think, he first offered you four hundred. Now he's offering you a thousand. Doesn't it stand to reason that the longer you hold out, the higher he'll go?" And David's like, "Oh, great point." Yeah. So like, then... which, okay, true. That could work as a way to be like, "Look, honey." This guy is willing to pay already so much. Maybe we hold out, he'll pay even more. But it's like, he already went up from 200 to 1,000. Like, there is a cap, probably, right? Right, but I, I think what she's pointing out to him is that Manzini has an insane desire for this car that is beyond reason. Like, he will, he will whatever it takes... Yeah, yeah. I just, I just, it seemed to me like she was like thirty episodes of whatever it takes. Yeah, Sarah. apparently, I just, it feels like that's not gonna hold him off forever. But okay, so then he goes up to Manzini and he's like, "Look, I need you to offer me fifteen hundred for the car." And Manzini balks. So it's clear that he isn't. There isn't no limit to what right. he'll do for this car. He goes, "That, that's you know fifteen hundred. That does seem a little steep." And he goes, "Well, that's my price." And he goes, "All right." You've got it, fifteen hundred. And he goes, "No, hold on. You have to say that in front of my wife." And he's like, "What? Oh, okay. What is she a notary public?" <laughs> <laughs> he goes and gets his wife and says, "Oh, listen, Barbara. This guy's nuts. He'll offer us anything. Look, he already went from two hundred to a thousand. If we keep holding out, he'll go even higher." And she's like, well, "I don't think he will." And she goes, "Yeah, I'll bet he'll go to fifteen hundred. And she's like, "I don't think he'll go that high. A thousand is already pretty high." And he goes, "I bet you anything he'll go to fifteen hundred." She's like. Okay. Then they go over to Manzini and goes, all right, 1500 As they walk closer to Manzini, yeah. she's going, I don't think he'll go for it. And Manzini's like, he will. Pulls out a wad of cash and starts counting in ones. He's like, one, two, three, four. And then David goes, I changed my mind, no sale. And he goes, three, two, one, what? That was <laughs> again, another joke where it was like, that was almost funny to the point yeah. I'm going to give it to them because this show is so rarely even almost funny. This one was like, it doesn't really make sense. They went a little too high. He got as high as like six and then goes five, four, three, two, one, what? Yeah. If he'd only gone one, two, three, no, three, two, one, what? It, yeah. it almost would have landed. It's still an almost, but I'm like, I'm, I want to call it out because it was closer to a good joke than the show got in general. And he goes, no, I just, I've changed my mind. 1500 is not enough. And I, again, I can't remember how they actually convinced him to leave, but he does. He just gets mad when 1500 doesn't end up being the selling offer. Yeah, and I guess. hops in his car and his driver drives away. So Crabtree, and, and as he's driving away, Crabtree finally gets his own and yeah. he yells... Bye, Captain Zambini. And he goes, it's Manzini. And he goes, whatever. And Manzini is so infuriated by him doing the thing that he has been doing to Crabtree like 15 times at this point. He leans out the car window and tries to strangle David as his driver pulls away. <laughs> it's, it's, I mean, it's a pretty classic move, but even then it's handled so awkwardly. It's like, he, you did it like 20 times in the episode, buddy. Like, it's not... You yeah. can't be that mad. Anyway. It's sort of like how in the show Friends, things that aren't jokes get a laugh track placed around them as if they are, so people react to them like they're jokes. Yeah. This is like jokes 
are being delivered, but they're structured with such poor timing and and everything that they don't come off as they don't jokes. land. They don't land. Yeah, yeah. it's it's this freaking show. And then Barbara has immediately gone from being like a reasonable hard ass about the situation. Like, okay, you said the reason you bought it was that it was worth a lot of money. Well, here's you know here's someone who wants to buy it. Let's sell the damn thing. She immediately goes. Wow, David, it happened just like you said it would. She's like starry-eyed. It's, yeah. It's a little bit gross. And he's like, that's right, dear. I'm freaking clever. And she goes, when did you become so clever about cars or money or whatever she says? Like, when did you become so 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 smart or something? And she's immediately like, boy, a, a thing you proposed might happen which was not totally unreasonable in fact happened i am absolutely amazed it's a little upsetting but anyway and then he's like get the kids and we're gonna go to dinner where the whole family can be together yeah and it's like oh he's he means including the car and then they're at a drive-in and the the dog is there as well and he's bringing food to the drive to the car at the drive-in and goes see just like I said, we're the whole family, and we're like, yeah, David, we you said it five seconds ago. We we got the joke. You don't you don't need to repeat it. We understood that your mom's part of the family and that she's the car. We we knew where you were headed with this. You didn't you didn't need to repeat the entire <coughs> joke. I'm sorry. Did you choke on that joke? I did. I'm sorry. And and then the theme song plays. A third time. third time in its entirety, friends. I want you to understand. They didn't just play the little refrain in that middle bit. They didn't just go, my mother, the car, do, 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 do my mother, the car. They play the entire song. And, and that's, that's the, the show. show. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! Where did the money go? This is the segment where we talk about where we think they spent the money on this pilot. Presumably two fancy old cars. End of story. Clips and chips. This is the segment where we talk about sort of our predictions for the future of the show. If there will be any cliffhangers or... Uh, and also, How we think the season will end, yeah. if, if not with a cliffhanger. And, and also any relationships that we see happening in the future. Yeah. I mean, there's not much to do no. with this show because it was only 23 minutes and it's a pretty bananas pilot. There's not that many characters. Um, but let's take the old college try. Yeah. Uh, I would like to see uh, Zam- Zambini, <laughs> Zambini. Uh, Manzini's uh, chauffeur get a name and a, and a personality. Yeah. He says nothing. Yeah. He gets no takes to camera. He gets no dialogue. He's never referred to or addressed, really. Uh I would like to see him become a character. I think that'd be fun. Uh, especially if he was a little bit like this motherfucker. About yeah. A little bit Jeeves and Wooster relationship where he never is like openly hostile. Yeah. But he's like, I am so much smarter than this rich idiot. Uh, that'd be kind of fun. Uh, I want to see an episode where they, where my mother, the car, has to compete in like a Indy 500 type race. <laughs> sure. You know they made that. Just this probably. premise. Like, she's like, probably. She's like, you got to go fast, Mom. I can't. I'm going as fast as I can. Uh, I would like to see an episode where uh, Captain Manzini attempts to steal the car, and he does a costume which involves him putting a different fake mustache on top of his mustache. Ooh, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's got to happen. And probably a, a funny hat. Yes. Uh, let's see. Uh, there's, I mean, there's, there's no, like, ships to speak of. No. 
uh, I care not even a little bit about Barbara and David's relationship. It's uh, intensely uninteresting. It, from what we've seen in this pilot, it's presumably going to be a pretty cliche uh, 50s. F- 50s sitcom relationship yeah. where they they alternate between being super sweet and lovey-dovey and like pra- almost openly hostile in that like, boy, wives sure do nag. <laughs> Remember how heterosexuality is a prison? Kind of way. Yeah. Uh, they're just going to go back and forth between lovey-dovey, we really care for each other moments, and like treating each other like garbage in a very like, this is just the way things are type of, of sitcom way. The, um, the one other thing I would love I to see... I wonder what the dog's name is. That's, yeah. They never call, they never no. just the dog by name. Ha- hashtag name for the dog. Yeah, Rufus. The, the one other thing Call I would it. love to see is if there are other cars that have this going on at some point. Oh, yeah. Oh, there's got to be another episode where they, he actually meets someone else who's in the same boat as yeah. him. And like, in I a manner s- of speaking. I could see that being a stunt casting where like the voice of that other car is some at the time famous actor or yeah. somebody who comes in and just does a, you know, reads a bunch of ADR. What do you think are the odds that they ever managed to get Dick Van Dyke on the show? I wouldn't be surprised if he had like an uncredited cameo, but I also get the feeling based on how this is structured around, uh, around the younger Van Dyke, Jerry, Jerry Van Dyke, that, that is the name you would come up with if you were doing a bit where you were like, Dick Van Dyke's got some younger brother, Jerry Van Dyke. That is the name you would come up with for a joke. Sorry, Jerry. I'm sure you're a really nice guy. Uh, (laughs) wait. Is his name the 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 character's name David? Yeah, David Crabtree. The actor is Jerry Van Dyke. Good God! Uh, <laughs> but it's almost as if this is structured as like this is his big break to get out from under his brother's shadow and yeah. have his own show. Yeah, sure, sure. And so, they're leaning so much into him doing the Van Dyke mannerisms. Yeah, I bet that's the sort of thing that would have happened in a later season if they'd gotten more. Yeah, it would have been like end of season two. Jerry's brother appears. Yeah. And then they have a weird thing where Jerry's brother is the only other person who can hear mom and or something like that. They yeah. would have had like a wacky episode like that. But yeah, probably not in a single season. They probably couldn't afford him. <laughs> what will this show be? <laughs> well, I mean, I... <laughs> I mean... <laughs> I already addressed the one thing that I want to see is the mom getting in a race but like i assume that every episode will be a needlessly convoluted plot by manzini to try to acquire the car yeah either to convince them to sell it or to steal it yeah meanwhile david has to come up with ridiculous lies or he gets into wacky situations because someone hears him talking to the car like it seems pretty straightforward that's i i can't imagine also it's not like this was a time period where people were trying to take risks with TV, really, and, like, surprise people. Yeah. I feel like, I mean, again, not a 60s television expert. From what I've seen, it seems like TV from that era was pretty formulaic in general. I mean, even something that we think of as boundary-pushing now, like uh, the original Star Trek series, is still, like, every episode... They the go sta- to a planet, yeah. or something weird shows up on the ship, and they deal with it, and it's a moral. The yeah. status quo is 
resumed by the end of that episode. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There's no big sweeping universal changes oh, that ever happened. Absolutely not. No. At best, if they had gotten further seasons, yeah. I could have seen them changing a small thing like, and now his wife can hear his mother too, or something yeah. like that. Or we're adding a new character that appreciably changes things. Yeah. But like, not in a single season of, of, of a formulaic show like this, where reruns, I don't think we're really quite a thing yet not no. for a new show this is the segment where we point out anybody we recognize in the pilot which in this case i mean jerry van dyke but we only recognize him because he looks like his brother so that that barely counts yeah. moving on <laughs> to our next segment which we like to call i choose you this is where we talk about who our favorite character is in the show again not much to choose from Captain Manzini is like far and away the best character. A little more interesting than anyone yeah. else, uh, but he's still pretty one note. Uh, there is some major sass coming out of the the mom in the in the car. But not car not, not really in a fun way though. I won't no. even I wouldn't go so far as to say it's kind of fun. The mom's kind of a fun character. She's not really. I yeah. wouldn't even say major sass. I just say she's a little bit manipulative. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, well, I guess what I'm saying about major sass is like. I feel like they, they thought they were writing a sassy character. Right, yes. But it's not coming across that way. No, not not really. Ugh. Maybe she'll get more sassy as the show goes on, but we, we don't really get that in the first episode. So we can roll right on to our... Final verdict. Wow, I, I'm i so conflicted. I mean, because like I'm I know not. we're supposed to decide, I'm did not. this pilot do the job of a pilot and make you want to watch more? This is not a great pilot. No. I mean, it. I guess it sets up the premise, but it does it in a very sort of jostled way in which you're left going, well, I guess so. Not, okay, I understand everything and I'm ready for more. You're just like, okay, the characters are buying it, so I guess I'll just go along with it? And I, for me, like, I actually do want to track down and watch a couple more episodes of this just because the premise is so bananas that I'm curious to see if they come up with other really banana bananas places to take this or if as you suspect this is actually just a very comfortable status quo kind of like light fair yeah every episode you know Barbara wants to buy a new dress but David spent the money on new upholstery for mother and they have a fight about it meanwhile Captain Manzini wears a funny hat and tries to steal the car like I can't imagine the show ever going beyond that level of of plot but but I think that's but also like I can't even imagine what an episode two of this looks like I just described it pretty clearly, I think. Yeah, but <laughs> I want to. I guess I want to see it. Yeah. Because like, what you described is the thing, but also Godspeed. Like, I I just when I say I can't imagine it, it's like even having you describe it, I can't I can't see that in my mind of how they execute it. Because I I mentioned it a little bit before earlier on when we were talking about the actual episode, but like all of this on paper sounds bananas. But then their execution of it is also so bananas to me. Like yeah. The fact that there are so many things that are they're written as jokes, they're they're shot as jokes, yeah. they're they're constructed as jokes, but they don't land. Yeah. Oh, it's it's extremely clear to me why somebody might 
not just hear the premise of the show, but watch the pilot and think, oh, this must have been one of those weird unaired pilots that never got picked up and someone eventually, you know, released it somehow. It it makes so much more sense. The fact that someone actually made this and actually it happened, there were sets and stuff and actors learned lines and were paid to be in it. Like, the fact that it exists is improbable on its own. The fact that it also was made into an entire season is so much more improbable that, I guess, yeah, the only thing that would vaguely make me want to watch another episode is I would maybe watch a much later episode, if not the very last of the season, one of the last episodes, just to see... Did we get anywhere with this? Did we go anywhere? Is this appreciably different from where we started? Did they find something that they were missing in the pilot that they finally went, oh, now we've hit our stride? Or is it the same bananas, weird, how did this get made type of bullshit all the way through? And I would like you to watch one of the later episodes and let me know. It has the same uncanny valley feeling as like, I know it's really popular right now, like they make an AI write scripts. Based oh yeah, on the, the, a bunch the of yeah, scripts. a neural network makes yeah. a thing. Which like the most popular ones in that trope are are written by one person who has openly said many times, "This is a joke. I write all of these. It's improbable. Someone would even think this was real." And yet, people screenshot them and share them around and go, "Can you believe a neural network watched a thousand hours of Olive Garden commercials and then wrote their own?" That doesn't even make sense. That does not. No one has a thousand hours of Olive Garden commercials to. Yeah. Neural networks can't. That's how neural networks work. <clears throat> Brain shortage. At any rate, this does read a little bit. This this does come off a little bit like a neural network tried to write a sixties. Yeah. Sitcom. Yeah. Because like the the premise is on that level, but like it plays like a weird postmodern take on it. It's like if like a modern comedy television writer was inventing an improbable sixties sitcom comedy yeah. oh, show. Yeah, oh, absolutely. If, if, uh, oh, gosh, I, I want to think of the perfect uh, example. Maybe like 30 Rock or something. There's yeah. a 30 Rock episode where someone went, don't you remember that, that show from the 60s? It was called My Mother the Car. A guy, his mom was dead and she spoke to him through a car radio and there was like a, a wacky rich guy who kept trying to steal the car. Like, yeah. That sounds like the kind of absurd joke you would make when you weren't even trying to actually... Not the kind of thing where you were trying to sell someone as being real. Yeah. Like, I, well, that's why I mentioned 30 Rock. I never watched that much of that show, but I know it has an extremely heightened comedy level. Yeah, so, yeah. like, that's the kind of, you know, show where they would make up a premise like this as a, as a, as a, pe- a parody of 60s shows. The fact that it exists is... Yeah, it's, it's so hard to convey how weird it is that this is real. I think that is the perfect place to render our final verdict. Sarah, it sounds like... Yeah, no. At most, I would be interested in hearing from you if you watch a later episode and hearing... Just answering the one question. I don't even want you to explain the plot necessarily. Yeah. Just answer the one question. Did they go anywhere? Did they find anything to add to it that changed it? Or is it the same shit? I will definitely be letting you know because I am definitely going to watch more of this. Okay, don't tease them because we've said this before I, and then they I didn't know, get a catch the, up. The accessible, this is very accessible. Uh, it's on YouTube and I I have to know 
I okay. can't look away. Okay. So. All right. Well, stay tuned for the My Mother the Car Catch-Up episode, which will be a short one because it's just going to be strangely watching a single episode, hopefully. I don't know. Maybe you're just going to get it weirdly invested and end up watching the entire series. I have no idea. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of Pilot House. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Pilot House Pod. Visit our website at pilothousepodcast.com or email us at pilothousepodcast at gmail.com to suggest future shows. Our podcast is entirely listener-supported, so thanks to this week's special guest star, Chris, for supporting us on Patreon. Visit patreon.com slash pilothouse to find out how you can become a series regular. Pilot House is a Herringbone Society production. We have to do our bye. I know. I, I, I need to be done. Yeah. <laughs> on that note... Bye. 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 You're done. Whatever.